The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Why is this so important? Why did you pick this story? Why does this matter? This is the news. And why, 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 and why it matters. Hi, I'm Sarah Gonzalez. Welcome to the news and why it matters. Stu, what was the top story? Environmentalists are telling us we're all going to die, and I always believe environmentalists. So Do you? I'll give you the latest update on why you're going to die today. Oh, good. Okay, great. Pat. That's always fun to hear. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking civil asset forfeiture. An unconstitutional grab of people's money and property. All right, Jason. Um, Trump has uh, completely abolished NAFTA. Now we're moving on. Is that even possible? Yay! <laughs> Still, environmentalists, you, you, so you're saying you always believe environmentalists? Uh, I do. I always do. do. Um, oh. They're very important, and they always bring reliable information to the table. Uh, there was a, uh, an environmentalist from Australia who was talking about uh, koala bears. Uh, now, one thing I learned today was that uh, 90% of koala bears have chlamydia. That's something that I just wanted to let you what? know. 90% of them have chlamydia, so do not hook up are with you, a koala bear. Are you have we, not hold a good on. Idea. Wait a minute. We've tested 90%, and 90%, 100% all of all uh, koala bears and found that only 90% or of them have. There's a few that don't, you know? Uh, and that's why abstinence pays. You know, I don't know. Um, but, yes, uh, You're being serious. that is a legitimate stat. It's huh. koala chlamydia. Wow. Yeah, so it's, a, it's one of the shady things. Uh, wow. But it's a different strain. Um, I it's don't, not the human strain. I don't know what they do in Australia, Sarah. <laughs> I'm not there. It I'm must be their highly Republican conservative government has banned birth control. Uh, ah, like Cory Gardner. Mm. Cory Gardner, Gardner finally pulled it off. Here, and now he's going there <laughs> and doing it. This Koalas is where his test subjects <laughs> finally did it. Got it done. Uh, so she's, this is a woman who's very worried about uh, the koala bears going away and going extinct. You know, Aren't I, you? Not from chlamydia. <laughs> 90% <laughs> of them have chlamydia, so am I now. <laughs> this is new information. She doesn't even important. mention chlamydia, by the way, in this interview for some reason. Um, but uh, she is talking about uh, how their habitats are going away, and here's what she said. You have to understand this planet's in trouble. And I believe our Prime Minister did know that, but somehow or other he's lost it. I want your listeners to really think 85% of the world's forests are gone. You've got to start thinking, how does this affect me? And mm-hmm. I think we've all become a bit in denial. Mm, in denial. Uh, so, you know, 85% of our forests are gone, which is a <laughs> big a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of forests. That no wonder. Sound a little bit scary. No wonder the koalas are out there getting chlamydia. 85% of our forests are gone. They're just, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just out there just getting chlamydia everywhere. they got nowhere else to go. Uh, so, 85% of our forests well, are gone. Well, if you couldn't chlamydia, what would you do? probably go get chlamydia. That's probably around until you probably got chlamydia. So, 85% of the forests are gone. Right now, there's 4 billion hectares of forests. In, in the world. Now, I don't know what you think is the right amount of forest to cover land. We all know that, like, there's Antarctica, for example, which mm-hmm. we know has never been uh, covered in forest. We know the deserts, right? They're not, they're not forest areas. Uh, so you, I don't know what the right amount is. I mean, is, are we supposed to have half of our land covered in forest? Like, how much do we want? <laughs> I, you know, like, I mean, it's going to have some forest, sure. Uh-huh. Uh, the issue with the claim, however, is when you back out the math, uh, to, for her claim to be true, all land would have to be covered by forest. Now, there's no indication in any point in history that all land on the entire earth was covered in forest. <laughs> However, that, even if you cover all land in forest, that doesn't get her to her claim. 
Also, all of the oceans have to be covered in forest, which is a real problem because really? I feel like a floating forest would look really strange. I, how would the fish swim in between the trees? It would be very difficult. Have you been to Atlantis, though? I, maybe that, maybe so. that's where it came from. I don't know. So the other problem with her uh, claim is that even if you covered all of the Earth, including the oceans with forests, you'd still have to cover 80% of another Earth with forests <laughs> to get the nut math to actually work out that we've lost 85% of our forests. Uh, there's no indication, thankfully, that we've lost 85% of our forests. I will give her a little bit of credit. It, I mean, I took her claim literally. In the clip, she actually said, um, or technically said, uh, I want your listeners to believe that we've lost 85% of our force. So maybe she was just kind of just throwing it out there like, I, look, I want your people to believe that even though I know it's not true. Um, either that or she has no idea what she's talking wow. about with this claim. And, uh, I, you know, again, you hear these things and I think people just, generally speaking, go along with them, right? I mean, it sounds like that could be true, right? We've, we've mm-hmm. built a lot of buildings and we've cleared a lot of It's forests. usually not that overt, though. It's usually yeah. like they take like a stat and they just make it sound really scary. Yeah. Like in a world yeah. where 0.1 degrees <laughs> will change in 100 years. Yeah. Right, right. And like, wait a minute, yeah, you count it up, it's, yeah. that doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. That's why they say the warm, world is warming without giving you how much it's warmed. It right. sounds a lot less scary when they tell it's 0.9 degrees over a century. That doesn't, all, doesn't sound all that scary, even though it could have actual effects. It doesn't. They never tell you those things because it's. But if you say it's scary and put it in an, an Al Gore documentary, you're like, "Holy crap, oh, yeah. man! Mm-hmm. Really, you do really something." Scary. But this is just something that you heard and thought about, and you know, looked into. This isn't something that she made this ridiculous claim and someone debunked her. Uh, right? Yeah, I mean, no. There's been some people who have looked at it and said, uh, you know, wait a minute, that doesn't seem right, and and uh, I can't remember the site that uh, uh, that did it. Because um, yeah, I mean, uh, it, there's a lot of these sites that are just anti-development, mm-hmm. and that's that's the thing here is that people generally look at capitalism as bad. We've got the Democrats, uh, you know, embracing democratic socialism. Um, and those are the, you know, that is a lot of the activism on the Internet. Um, there are a few organizations uh, that actually go out there and say, wait a minute, you know, we've noticed something about the world. It's a lot better now than it was before we had, like, lights and, uh, and, and Internet and, and yummy, you know, Twinkies and such. Those were, the, you, you know that. No. Um, Sarah is a big hostess fan. No. Um, but uh, the, the issue is that, you know, development's actually good. And, and you realize that over time, you know, we've dropped poverty by, what's, you know, 80% around the globe. We've been able to cut, you know, millions and millions and millions of people who would have died now live. I think it's like something like 18,000 people a day around the globe that used to, to, you know, die from hunger and various illnesses now live because of the advances of capitalism and modern society and, and medicine and all what these things. What about the fat people problem, though? What about the fat people? Well, problem? you know, people do sometimes you know, eat too much. They eat too much. Um, that's true. Yeah. Again, that's a really negative way of looking at something like I just <laughs> yeah, described, isn't it? That could create problems. The fact that fat. some people eat too much, uh, mm-hmm. myself included, uh, it really shouldn't dissuade us from praising capitalism <laughs> for saving billions of people. Uh, that kind of seems like it's, a, you know, maybe a good uh, side effect uh, if you want it to be. <laughs> you have the ability to eat as much as you want. Uh, you know, so I mean, these, because there's, there's a million of these out there. There's a ton of them about global warming. One of my favorite ways, if you ever see this happen, you know one of these things is going down. Whenever they measure CO2 saved in the amount of cars off the road, you know you're being scammed. 
Because you can get to these big numbers and it sounds really impressive, and then when you back into it, you're talking a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a percent of global emissions that would do nothing to cure the problem of what they're speaking about. So they like to do that. You know, you say, oh, well, it would take 10 million cars off the road. Well, 10 million cars off the road sounds like a lot, but, you know, only about 20% of our emissions uh, come in the United States come from the transportation sector, and we're only about 20% of the emissions of the world. So when you take a small, you know, even tens of millions of cars, isn't a big dent in that and would do almost nothing because places like China and India, which are growing so fast, would replace those emissions almost immediately. If you've ever driven in rush hour in DFW, you know that tens of millions of cars is only like maybe a third of what's actually on our freeways. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very true. Right well, in front of you. For example, last year during Hurricane Harvey, one million cars in Houston were damaged enough that they were taken off the road at one time. Wow. 500,000 of them were totaled. So mm. half a million in that one event were taken off, and it, you don't even hear about it. Yeah. It's so inconsequential to the rest of the country. I mean, it's consequential to them, yeah. but nobody else is even talking about it. Uh, Pat, there are an alarming number of people that are being affected by civil asset forfeiture. <laughs> yeah, I've been reading. This, this, I can't believe this has not been deemed unconstitutional yet. People who... Or at least being covered... Uh, talked by, about? Yeah, by national news sources. Yeah. I, I have not seen it. You have to really go digging well, in local Our own attorney general is trying to push it forward. Is he still? Yeah. Our, our president likes it. Our attorney general likes it. Why aren't people protesting in the streets of this? People uh, who have their life savings with them in some cases and are driving someplace to buy something with it uh, many times have been pulled over and their cash is confiscated. Now, it is not illegal in this country to carry cash with you where you're going. You can take it on an airplane if you want to. You can drive in your car with it. And yet somehow people who are not having any charges filed against them, people who have no evidence that they're drug dealers and earn this money through a drug sale, are having their life savings taken from them. Um, this, the latest story I just read about for the first time was last Wednesday, the Utah Supreme Court just finally said, hey, I think you have to return a half million dollars to this guy you took it from. In, in 2016, um, Kyle Savely was, was following too closely to a vehicle in front of him um, on a Utah highway. He was pulled over. And they had a drug-sniffing dog with them. And the drug-sniffing dog gave a hit to the car, like something smelled like drugs to this dog, apparently. They found no drugs, but they did find a stash of $500,000, which they took. They didn't have any evidence that there was... I mean, there's a dog that smelled something, but uh, about 80 or 90% of our of our cash has come in contact with some kind of drugs at right, some point. Right. And so a lot of it smells like drugs. Mm -hmm. um, so was this guy doing something wrong? Why do you have a half a million dollars in cash with you? I don't know, but it's America. That's not a crime. Give him back his money. Well, it's, it's been two years. He finally took it to the Utah Supreme Court, yeah. all the way to the Supreme Court. Yeah. And they finally said, yeah, you don't have the right to it. But still, he's not received his money back. Well, and I would wonder who would need to pay for all of his attorney's fees, if that would be something that the state was paying him right. for, because I'm sure that that cost, right. yeah, and he's, he's got all his money, uh, the cops have all his money. He so says spend he his $500,000 on attorneys and, right. and get nothing back in the end anyway. Right. It's, you know, as Pat put it, it's, it's, in, it's incomprehensible this happening in the United States of America. We're talking about it as a potential terrible thing that might happen in South Africa. 
Mm. And here it is happening right here. That's. I mean, it's incredible. I, you know, it, again, you know, when you have, there is no crime in taking your property, uh, in putting it in your car and transporting it somewhere. Right. Like that is not a crime. Right. And I can. We're made to feel like it is, though. Yeah. Like, oh, well, he had too much money on him. Um, why? Right. Like, why is that too much? I would like to go through just the just the Bill of Rights infractions that have happened just over the war on drugs in general. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, it just insane. There, there's civil asset force picture. There's these no, no-knock warrants where they go in and they just, like, completely just bust through someone's door. A lot of times those are into, you know, made mistakes, and sometimes there are fatalities off of that. I mean, it's just when you declare war on something inanimate, mm-hmm. you're, you're, the government is freed up to, to do whatever they want, by any means necessary, to go after that. And mm-hmm. it's, it's just it's getting worse and worse, and I don't know if there's even Well, and in this case with the money, I mean, we're, we're supposed to have a presumption of innocence in this country— so if there's no yeah. drugs, <laughs> right. you can't just say, well, but I think I that think he might have drugs. He might. Yeah, so maybe. let's take this. Uh, you know, it's interesting, too. We keep talking and we've brought up several of these stories over the past year of, you know, people losing $75,000, $500,000, you know, $50,000, $20,000. A story that's not all that interesting is someone losing $500 or $1,000. How often is that happening? Yeah. How often are these, because they're not going to make the news, and the person's not going to fight it because what are you going to do? You're going to spend way more than $1,000 to get it back, so you probably just let it go. And the government knows that. Yeah, and so they're just going to keep taking stuff if you allow them to do it. You know, conservatives, generally speaking, should understand that, you know, big government allowing to, being allowed to take private property is not a good idea. It's what we complain about potentially happening in South Africa. It's what we complain about with eminent domain here. And this is an even worse example because it's just theft. This is just theft on suspicion. And suspicion is not enough. Is, is the goal eventually this, the, the money and, and assets that they seize in, in this manner, do they get to confiscate and use towards yeah. state funds? Yes. yes. So that, that's yeah. all they do. The goal. Yeah. That's, they do. Yeah. It's, it's, they're using it to pad their budgets after they've had terrible policies for decades. Uh, they spent way too much. They promised way too much to voters to get elected. And then, you know, they, they now need the money, so they're impounding cars, they're, you know, they're taking assets, they're taking real estate, they're taking all sorts of things away from people because they know they can. Uh, and, you know, occasionally people will complain about it and then go back to their, you know, their business. Anytime civil asset forfeiture is mentioned and eminent domain, you have to automatically suspect there's going to be some kind of corruption going on in some levels of government. You've got to automatically mm-hmm. suspect it. Mm-hmm. We just we talked about, was it last week or earlier this week, about Beto O'Rourke. I mean, again, he was, uh, just to rehash, he was um, a big proponent of uh, civil, or I'm sorry, eminent domain in El Paso. And then eventually when people started digging into it, they found out that, oh, some of these, uh, some of the uh, land that he was trying to seize was strictly for his benefit. Some of his companies were directly involved. Mm. Members of his family were part of the companies that he was giving contracts to. I mean, come on. Anytime a politician says this, you got to throw up a red, you know, a red flag. You got to stop, take a step back and say, what is really going on there? All right. uh, Let's talk about NAFTA when we come back. Hey, it's Sarah Gonzalez. Thanks for listening to the program. I want to tell you about another show I think you'll like, The Morning Blaze with Doc Thompson. You can find it wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Jason, give us the latest on the new NAFTA deal, which is not NAFTA. Um, It's not going to be called NAFTA anymore. Well, first, Trump can completely just dismantle NAFTA, get rid of it, and then move on with this deal, correct? 
Actually, no, he can't. <laughs> so it's been sounding like if you've been hearing from some of the statements mm. that he's been saying is that uh, he's completely renegotiated and then we're moving on with this next deal. First of all, he can't do that. So, so NAFTA, is, he, he has the power to, to uh, negotiate these deals and get them ready, but Congress has to actually make them you know, a thing, law. a law, and, then they all, they're, and they're also the only ones that can get rid of them. So there's that. So there's big hurdles as far as what's ahead for whatever he's negotiated right now. But I, I was reading this uh, article, I think last night, uh, that the Washington Post sent, where they, they kind of made that point. But they also said this, all, all this was doing was really it was making some kind of you know, agreements w- with uh, auto manufacturers, and they were also basically just doing everything that was in the TPP, and they really you know, kind of downplayed everything else that was involved. Um, which kind of irritated me. So this is, if yesterday my segment was, you know, destroy Democratic Socialists, this is my Kellyanne Conway, Corley Nandowski <laughs> segment, or in defense of this. So I looked at some of the, uh, some of the fact sheets that the treasurer, or the guy that's ahead of, head of trade, I don't remember his actual the Wilbur Ross title. or, it, or Lighthouser. But um, anyway, so they, they set out, like I think it's like four or five different fact sheets where they actually walk through some of the things they're doing. Now, it's way too early to know exactly all the ins and outs of this. And this is very rudimentary. It's like a kindergarten version of what's going to happen in the full agreement. But they did mention uh, manufacturing. So they made it to where it's beneficial really on both sides. So a lot of, there's, a, there's a whole lot of incentives for, for like companies like GM, Chrysler, for them to move back to the United States and manufacture cars here. Um, there's a lot of more, um, again, there's, that's, that's a whole other issue. Uh, they don't really explain a lot of how that works out. Yeah. But I saw your frown, so I was... Uh, um. Yeah, no, I'm always frowning. <laughs> uh, I, I live in America in 2018. So. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it does, it does seem like the, uh, it, uh, as far as automobiles go, it will probably raise the cost of them. I mean, we don't know yet what the, what the details are on it. And you're right. I mean, like, there's all you have right now are people guessing. I mean, the fact, there's fact sheets from the administration, but obviously they're putting the most positive spin possible on it. Right. Um, you know, the Washington Post did have a column on it. The Wall Street Journal had a column on it today. Both of them, you know, said there were some good things in it um, and some bad things in it. Um, and, you know, I would say overall uh, kind of negatively uh, looking at it right now. But, you know, you can't jump on. I, just, I don't think you can jump to either side yet without actually right. seeing the details. I just don't see how you can be negative about it at this point. They, they do mention it's, there's a lot more manufacturing details mm-hmm. in there. They cover a full range of manufacturing, like, industries, um, jobs and companies. But, but they, there's, it doesn't really go into full detail on what all is involved. But they mm-hmm. also talk about agriculture. There's a lot of agriculture um, yeah. stipulations in here and, and stuff that's supposedly beneficial to both con- countries. They also update it big time, and they add in all, the, like, the intellectual property um, all the like, uh, you know, uh, everything that should be in there that wasn't, you know, there's a thing now that wasn't around back in the 90s when, when they did this, all the, all the tech, you know, upgrades and updates. So basically they were, the, the, the hit was like, yeah, so this is all the stuff in the TPP and all this stuff would have been done under TPP. Well, I have a huge issue with that because I, I followed the TPP from its inception, followed all the leaks on it and everything. And the TPP, basically what it did is, yeah, it did offer in a lot of the stuff that's in this deal that we're negotiating with Mexico, with one exception. There is no overpowerful like all you know like like judicial system that super that, that can override federal governments and say oh you don't like this well tough you still have to ha- do this in your in your town or your county or whatever there's nothing like that that existed in the TPP which was extremely dangerous in my opinion and i've been saying from the beginning like we we shouldn't be going after these large mega you know trade packs we we don't need that we don't need a, a large organization that can tell the US government what they can and can't do we need to do the same types of agreements but go directly to those specific countries. Go to Mexico and do a deal. Go to Canada and do a deal. Go to every other single country um, in the Pacific, which we basically already have. 
when we did the TPP, we already had trade deals with those countries. We didn't need to add on top of this, like, you know, the super judicial system that can govern everybody, everyone, and tell them what to do. We don't need that. So I didn't, I didn't see that angle in any of the reporting on this. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, and I don't think that's in this at all. I mean, I, I don't, uh, you know, you have to protect your sovereignty, obviously. Um, you know, we don't know enough about it yet. I know, what, like, what, give, me what, give me one specific thing that looks like it's in this deal, which is, and this is something the Trump administration apparently fought for. Under NAFTA, Mexico was prohibited from, you know, forcibly taking a, a factory of a U.S. company. Good idea, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, or, or also regulating um, companies so that they could favor Mexican companies. So you couldn't favor, you couldn't come up with new regulations that only taxed American companies and didn't tax um, uh, Mexican companies. Well, on this new deal, it appears, uh, if it passes as kind of talked about at this point, it, uh, it, do, it keeps the physical barrier there. So you can't, you know, the Mexican government can't just raid U.S. companies. But it takes away the regulation barrier. So that now Mex- the Mexican government could pass a uh, can pass regulation to favor Mexican companies. The concept being uh, from the Trump side of things is because of that, U.S. companies won't want to put their stuff in Mexico anymore. They'll be fearful of this new regulation and they'll keep mm-hmm. it here. That's favor them how, as in like subsidies like on sub- their subsidies end? or okay. um, uh, tax uh, benefits, or, you know, or easier to do business in certain ways. They had to keep those laws consistent with U.S. companies and Mexican companies under NAFTA. They don't have to do that anymore if this goes through. I personally don't have a problem with that. I do. I think it's protectionist. I mean, you know, you're, you're, what they're trying to do is is open up U.S. companies that are doing business there to harm, so that they will come back here. Mm-hmm. And there's no I, there's no reason to do that. I mean, we should be able to. And you know, I'm a big free trader here. I have no. Uh, no hesitation on that. Um, so I do, I do like that. However, you know, to, to put a, something in there that essentially is a poison pill for U.S. companies to do business in Mexico, I mean, that's not, that's not going to help U.S. companies. I mean, that's not going to help a company expand here. It's not going to help anybody. I mean, it's, it's going to bring, so, it may bring some companies back here. Likely, instead, they'll go somewhere else where they don't have to deal with the regulation problems or the prices here. And I just feel like there's a lot of that in here. The people who designed it are very protectionist. And I think when we see the details, we're going to see a lot of that in there. I, I definitely see your perspective on that, and, and I agree. Um, but I also think that some countries that aren't as developed, that only that, that have a vast majority of their industry that's like kind of focused or centered around like one product, mm-hmm. um, they are in very big danger of getting decimated. Um, and I, I, eventually this works out because they have to innovate just like American oil companies had to innovate. Now we have fracking and now we produce all, all of our oil. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Am I running out of time? Yes. Um, but <laughs> companies, really quick, companies like uh, Mexico, like bean, their bean industry was decimated. We outproduced them, decimated their bean industry. We had a huge influx of migrants coming over illegally. Japan, rice, they, they protect by, with subsidies their, their rice industry because it's one of their, their major industries. So some protections, I believe, are necessary in the, in the forms of maybe subsidies or something like that, but maybe just in the short run. Maybe it works itself out in the end. All right. Thank you for that coverage, Kellyanne. (laughs) (laughs) Back in a minute. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, 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 I... Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze Premium subscribers. Become a premium subscriber at theblaze.com slash subscribe. Yesterday we 
talked about uh, Tiger Woods. How dare he not want to talk politics in his press conference? And today, ESPN had a little bit to say about it. Yeah, what's this? Max Kellerman, Kellerman and, and yeah. Stephen, Stephen A. Smith. A. Smith. You know, I, I generally like Stephen A. Smith. I mean, because mm-hmm. he takes kind of. I mean, yeah, he his takes, yell strategy. His yell strategy is there. Why is he yelling I don't know. right He's now? He's always yelling. He's actually not yelling throughout this whole clip, which uh, which is amazing. Um, <laughs> Uh, I think it's a, uh, you know, generally I like him because he kind of takes stands that are a little bit contrarian from time to time and kind of make, he surprises you every once in a while. Um, Max Kellerman, I haven't really seen much of that. It kind of seems to take the same line on these stories every single time. Uh, this is their conversation uh, on, uh, was it first take? First take. Yeah, listen. I want to say something about what Tiger Woods said. Okay, now. go ahead. It really bothers me. I, I don't. I am angry at what Tiger Woods said mm-hmm. because it is it is a thoughtless statement dressed up as a thoughtful statement, and it either holds in contempt the intelligence of the people who hear it, mm-hmm. or else it's just a stupid thing to say. That clearly, you are perceived as being a black man, and even though you didn't want to dis- disassociate yourself from your mother's ethnicity, who was Thai, who was Thai, I believe. The bottom line is, is that that's the reason why he took that position. But black Americans haven't respected that for Tiger for quite some time. They haven't heard Tiger speak on a plethora of issues pertaining to having a social consciousness on many, many occasions. That is something that people have lamented as well. I mean, first of all, his statement was you need to respect the office. I mean, whoever's in it, even if you agree with them or disagree with them, you have to respect the office. Mm-hmm. That is not a controversial statement. It's not a thoughtful, thoughtless statement dressed up as a thoughtful statement. It's just, it's kind of a boring statement, right? I mean, it's not much of anything. It sure wasn't controversial when President Obama was in office. Ooh. And if you called him Obama, they were like, he is the president. Yes. You call him president mm-hmm. because you respect the office. Exactly. I remember it being controversial. Though. Yeah, that was always the, uh, that was always the way it happened, right? Um, so the, the, the idea that this is a big blow up is really about something else, which is that Tiger Woods will not jump into the fray on this stuff. He doesn't want to be involved in it. He doesn't want to be a political. I he, love that about him. I love him. Yeah. Too. I love it, too. It's, it's exactly what we need yep. uh, in, in, in sports, for sure. I mean, and honestly, ESPN would know that. a lot more of it in America is what we, we need. But everyone that's in the spotlight that doesn't go there gets tortured for yeah. it. Taylor Swift yeah. is tortured for tortured this. Tortured for this. Mm, I mean, they'll come out and denounce Trump. It's Taylor freaking Swift. She's denouncing ex-boyfriends. Leave her alone. (laughs) Well, it's just what an entitlement mentality to have that because I asked you a question, you have to answer it in the way that I want you to answer it or go as in-depth as I want you to go. I mean, who lives life that way? Because someone asks a question doesn't mean you have to answer it. No, of course not. I mean, people avoid them all the time. Yeah. The left certainly does. You know, and Tiger basically, they asked him about, you know, do you want to go in-depth on race relations? And as he's walking off the green, he's like, I just played 72 holes. I want to go out eat. eat. Uh, <laughs> I have a feeling that a lot of these media, a lot of these media junkets or press conferences, they already think they've got the narrative. They've already got the story written. They just need the <laughs> official soundbite to go along with the story that they've already written. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dan Andros at Faithwire and I were just in Israel, and we witnessed that firsthand. Only it was on the narrative of the Israel side and how the world was basically already have, writing the story that Israel was the bad guy and they're just slaughtering mercil- mercilessly, you know, the Palestinians. And it was hilarious. We sat through the congressional pe- press conference and everyone had the same exact question. Uh, they weren't taking notes every time they heard what, whatever someone would read, uh, what, what, ever since every time someone would answer the question. But if they got one thing that was controversial, that's when, when their ears perked up. But most of the time they answered the question, they stood up and walked out the door before the end of the actual question. They didn't even care. Hmm. Hmm. Somebody from Vice, which I won't name who, Shane Smith, <laughs> asked a question. Seriously, I don't think he liked the answer and got up in the middle of it and walked out. Wow. Didn't hear the end of it. Yeah, right. They just don't care. They've got their narratives pre-written. 
Uh, and, you know, and this is why Twitter has been so great for journalists, because before they had to go track people down and get these quotes, and now they just look, oh, well, let's say a scroll, oh, this person was upset, let's put that one in there. And this is why, you know, Twitter has just created more than anything, I think, just lazy journalism, uh, where you just, you know, just search, let me just search back in all the archives for tweets that mention this word from this person, and then you can kind of try to get them. Uh, it's, that's not journalism. Uh, and, you know, I, I, what I love about Tiger, though, is he's taking sports back to where I want it to be, which is somewhere fun and enjoyable. It's a game. These are games that we play. And we play them to, to enhance our enjoyment of life. And the fact that we have to go in there and talk about race relations, and, and where we've talked about them all week. We can't have one weekend, one couple of hours, one guy out of the crew that doesn't talk about it. It's just, I, I mean, I don't know why we can't have that. It's amazing, isn't it, how... Almost to a person, all the sports commentators and anchors and uh, play-by-play guys, how did they all become leftists? I, it's the most bizarre thing. Do, do no conservatives like sports? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I know they're watching them, but they're certainly not involved at ESPN. We did I, a we, we did, there was a there's a study that just came out recently that showed uh, the disparity between conservative professors and leftist professors in mm-hmm. college campuses, and there were some very very bad. Uh, so so the, there was it was pretty even in mathematics, engineering, all that stuff. You know, pretty much one for one conservative versus leftist. But the worst, bar none, was journalism. Mm-hmm. There was, I think it was, it was, it was like thousands of, of professors that were polled in this. Yeah. And like over 60-something uh, well-known colleges. And the ratio was like something around 180 or something like that, college uh, journalism professors, to zero. Not single, one oh. single conservative <laughs> journalism professor. I think that's where it is right there. Because yeah. the ESPN guys, they're journalism uh, majors, and they're like, hey, I always love sports. I want to try and go to ESPN or wherever. Yeah, I will think, too, that, like, you know, water seems to will flow the easiest route, right? And I think when your expertise is not politics and you're not paying attention closely to every news development, you're going to tend to go to the side that feels better. And, you know, what do you see in the media? What do you see from your colleagues? Who gets, who your colleagues get fired? They get fired for saying liberal things? No, they never do. They always get praised for those things. And I think that just kind of, kind of replicates itself. You know, you get into that position where you're, path you know. Path of least resistance. Of, it really is the mm-hmm. path of least resistance. And you can just, you know, when you take the left-wing point, no one complains. Everyone praises you. Everyone says how woke you were and how smart you are. Uh, and, you know, when you say something conservative, I mean, you know, again, Kurt Schilling has done, you know, I don't, he's not exactly in alignment with me, but some of the stuff he had gotten in trouble for really wasn't much of anything at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of it was. Uh, but the bottom line is, like, when you come out and you say conservative-leaning things, if you were to say something, just like Jim Brown, I support Donald Trump. You know, I mean, I, you know, that is, he's being hammered for that. This is an NFL legend who was very politically active on race issues throughout his time in sports. Yeah. And now the fact that he likes this guy, he gets beat up about it, it's just easy to say that he's bad and he's racist, and then everyone moves on and stops bothering you about it. For, for athletes, for, for, I think from, from fans' perspective, like you're obviously, there's a free country, you can do whatever you want, you can use your platform for whatever you want. But, I th- but me personally, I enjoy it more when you just stay, keep that out of the game. Play your game, whether it's on Sundays or whatever. But if you really want to use your platform, do something about it. Don't just complain about it and go on ESPN and complain about it. Do something about it. Um, LeBron James, hate his game. Absolutely hate his game. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, he's awful. He's Jim's awful. a really big fan. He's of a, yeah, I, I heard that you were. I am really. not. And anyway, um, but uh, but anyway, but what? But he he was against you know um, uh, that there was not enough good schools, and I think it was in Cleveland or whatever. So he actually went out and established a school. He, he did it. He bought it. What's that mm. look for, Sarah Gonzalez? I was no, just she, recalling the story. <laughs> well, see, I I, I thought I, I respected that. He, no, that's true. He right. wanted to do something about it, so he did it, and he completely funded it. Yeah, she's laughing. Not completely because funded. Right. Completely funded. I wasn't percent funded it, but. Still, but I mean, still that's something. it's more than I do. It's laudable. Uh, I did not pay for twenty five percent of the school. That's, that's uh, good. So I mean, it's still it's still but putting good. your money where your mouth is and doing something yes. in the community yeah. that you're concerned about. Yes. Yeah, interesting yeah. though that we never see. I, mean, I very rarely see the side. You know, you'll see the activism. You'll see the person building the school. You'll see LeBron building a school. Rarely do you see, like for example, Carson Wentz. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles quarterback who went, uh, you know, to poverty-stricken areas in in the off season and helped people all over the place in Haiti and other places. Yeah, um, seems like a good guy. He, I mean, he is a really good guy. I think makes you wonder why he's with the Eagles. That's a fair I point. That's actually a fair you know, point. I understand you know? that. Um, well, they traded up for him. Remember, <laughs> um, but it's interesting. You don't see a lot of. There's a lot of religious people in sports. Because sports is not an ideological thing. You're either good at it or you're not. So a lot of the people, you know, go, you know, very religious people get into sports and they wind up doing a lot of great things for their communities. And, and you don't hear as much about that as the sort of social justice sort of left-wing causes. They don't get the praise. Oh, gosh. Now, I don't think people are doing that. You know, you're not going to Haiti to help kids to get praise. But it is something that, like, you, you wish that would be noted a little bit more often. Such a good point, too, especially for, like, faith, especially in the NFL. Like you always hear about the like the Michael Bennett's or people like that yeah. that get in trouble um, with the police or all the social justice stuff, but they very rarely show the, the news cameras never snap too hardly ever when all the NFL players gather in prayer. Like both sides routinely yeah. after games, yeah. they go to the center of the field and they pray together on one knee. Before that was controversial, when one player got down on his knee and prayed. Yeah, no, I mean Tebow was always getting in trouble for it. That's yeah. everywhere now. Yeah, it if is. they would, I would I wish they would actually cover that because yeah. there's actually, I think, a real big faith revival in the NFL. I know that sounds crazy because you don't hear that, but there are a lot of deeply religious people in the NFL. Yeah, and I mean the Eagles really, you know, again yeah. to bring yeah. them up. I mean, but there was like <sighs> baptisms and and it really tightened. I really do think it helped uh, the team. Because beyond the fact that obviously, like you know, it's the right thing to do whether you're 0 and 16 or 16 and 0, you know, the, they I think that helped keep them together as a tight knit unit when Carson Wentz go, gets hurt, when Jason Peters gets hurt, when Jordan Hicks gets hurt, and all these guys go down. They were able to kind of keep it together and remain calm and and, and almost have a better perspective about what was going on. Um, and you know, I mean, they there have been people who have noticed this. You know, I think I think people. Who watched the games, you know, noticed it. I think, you know, it's a really good example. Like, you know, as I'm in the middle of indoctrinating my son, not only to be uh, a Christian but also an Eagles fan, um, to right, right, one A and one B. Sarah, you um, have lost control of, of, of this show. But, uh, we have a rule: if he goes off on the Eagles too much, you have to interject. But we got him a book about that, and it's a, a book about Carson Wentz and the team, and this, and the faith of the team, and all the things that they did, and it's, it, it's really amazing. And you think that if people. If people would be more open to that idea uh, instead of just trying to hide it all the time, I think there's positive outcomes uh, outside of, uh, of football. Yeah. Uh, I just would like to request the crew. I would like a, a hole to be built here, like a trap door that I can. I have a button here and I just push it, and <laughs> Stu just goes down below when he. Week from Thursday, Atlanta Falcons. Uh, tune in. Okay, so we here at the Blaze love a good conspiracy theory, right? 
I can't wait to share this with you. I think I might be on board. Okay. I know before there was a, okay, Melania is played by a body double. Right. And she yeah. doesn't really, and that was, you know, and then it kind of went away. Well, it's back now uh, with the most recent pictures. Now, if you're listening on podcast, go to my Twitter, Sarah Gonzalez TX, and I will make sure to tweet it out so you guys can see it. <laughs> so you've got the one on, on the left that's obviously Melania. Look at the chin. Look at the jawbone, right? And then if you look at the other side... Uh, That's first of all, that not. looks like a man. That's not Melania. Her hair is darker. The, the polka dots <laughs> appear bigger. I don't think this is a conspiracy. I, that's not her. It's legit, right? Yeah. That's not her. That's not her. But it's supposed to be her. Right. And then some people are saying there was a video of that particular appearance, and the way that she's walking, some people are comparing it to the way that Melania walked before, and they're saying that that's, that is not Melania's posture. <laughs> that is, that's not her. So I, I think I'm many, all in. How many public appearances has she made since she had her medical problems? Do we know that? No. Because that could be a very huge. Uh, yeah, I mean, she's been out there. Yeah, so that, those are some of the. She could have put on a little bit of weight. She could have. Right. So some some people are saying maybe she's. Mm-hmm. Like an effect her walk problem. Yeah. Maybe uh, some people are saying there are trouble. There's trouble in paradise, which I mean, duh. <laughs> we all know that. But I don't. That's not her. I will say. Yeah, I don't think so. One of the real negatives of the Trump era is Alex Jones being such a fanboy that he won't expose these things anymore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like he's can't get on board with any of the fun conspiracy theories because he's mm-hmm. he pledged fealty. If this was Michelle Obama, he'd be like breaking news. Oh my God. <laughs> Wasn't he on the, the uh, oh, Michelle Obama is a man thing for a while? Was he? I think he was. I could be wrong on that. There's certainly there were plenty of people on the internet when we were tossing that one around. Uh, Rose McGowan, uh, as we all know, she made, released a statement basically condemning Asia, what's her name? Asia? Argento. Yes, Argento. Mm-hmm. And so she said, you were my friend. I loved you. I really hope you find your way through this process to rehabilitation and betterment. Do the right thing. Be honest. Be fair. Let justice stay its course. Uh, Be the person you wish Harvey could have been. Do you guys think that that is, uh, is that strong enough? Uh, well, she's talking about process, which is what she kind of told us we didn't need that. Right. Um, so let it, let justice take its yes. course. What are you talking about? Yes. Like, that's what we've been saying. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. but I mean, you know, I mean, what's she going to do really in this spot? I, you know, it's, 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 it, you know, it's the, the problem is not what she's saying here. It's what she said before. Which know? did you guys see the tweet from 2013 where she was talking about Jimmy? No, no, no. Oh, it's so disgusting. (laughs) It says, uh, this was right before their hotel encounter. Waiting for my lost long son, my long lost son, Jimmy Bennett, in the hotel room. I cry. I sweat. I pace. I tremble. I am alive. Oh, man. With a picture of a written. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's interesting. So to think that she wrote all of that and then had the nerve to deny it at first. Jeez. how writes that She's about dumb. a seventeen-year-old when you're what thirty-seven? Yeah, it's disgusting. Mm, it really is. It really is. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of that, our poll today. Before I get into yesterday's poll results, which I found interesting, is was Rose McGowan's denouncement of Asia Argento strong enough? Let us know on Twitter and Instagram. And yesterday's poll results: it was should the voting age be lowered to sixteen? No. <laughs> it should be raised to 35. 35? Wow. 35. Yeah. I wouldn't be allowed to vote. 35. Dad. Well, someday you will. <laughs> yeah, when you're 35. 2% <laughs> said yes, 55% said no way, and 43% said it should be raised to 21, mm-hmm. which I found Did interesting. Did you ask about 35? 
I didn't ask you didn't. about 35. You should ask. I should. It'd be like 80%. No. 80% when I, it raised I don't, to 35. I, I disagree. Mm-hmm. Right, what, about, what about a policy of me or older? So whatever age I am, <laughs> I get to vote, and then only older people. Okay. I'm going to say no. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Today's The Blaze Why question is, Hannah wants to know, I was hoping that you could... You could speak to this, Stu. Mm-hmm. When can we expect more hands-on history videos? They're so good. And also bring back stuistics. Statistics. Statistics. Ah, yes. yes. Um, uh, well, I don't know about hands-on history. I'll have to ask Glenn when he comes back. He's back next week, and he'll be doing the shows again. Uh, statistics, I mean, you know, we have multiple different forums where we present uh, statistics. Um, uh, I will say today's show is one that you might enjoy if you liked that segment because we go into uh, some of the crazy uh, studies uh, that get tossed around on the internet and uh, crazy health claims and so stuff. So if I missed it, how would I view that? It's just gone. No, it's no, it's not. Late. That's nice. the great point. There's this thing called On Demand. If you go to theblaze.com/tv, huh. I did it on Glenn's show. Uh, so if you want to tune, uh, tune into the Glenn Beck show, I'm hosting all week at 5 p.m. So check it out. All right. And Andre just wanted to uh, comment, no child that is still wet behind the ears at 16 should be allowed to vote on anything other than maybe class president in junior in junior high. I disagree. As, American Idol. I think I'm okay with. That's a great point. As the old saying goes, with age comes wisdom. What wisdom does a 16-year-old have? Uh, none. Well, they would tell you they know everything. All the wisdom. Mm-hmm. Yes. They <laughs> Ask know David Hogg. All the wisdom. Exactly. Uh, and I, I have a question for the audience really quickly. So I was driving through my neighborhood uh, this morning, and I saw a sign. I, this is just, I guess, for Texas folks. But I saw a sign that said, say no to Beto. Mm. Texas, Texas. And I really want it. And I searched the Internet, and I can't find it. So if anyone knows where I can get that sign to put in my yard, please tweet me or you just use the hashtag the blaze why, and I will search. I will scour that hashtag because I really, really <laughs> want that, that in my DFW? yard. You found that in DFW? In, yeah. Surprising. Yes. All I see is Beto signs everywhere. Really? I've everywhere. seen I've one seen... Cruz sign the entire time. This campaign's been no going on Cruz. one. I've seen yeah. a couple Beto signs in my neighborhood, and I'm just like... Yeah, I have two, so I'd love to do the no, right? say no to Beto. Yeah, okay, so so try to find those for, for Pat and I, please, mm-hmm. and we'll see you guys tomorrow. Like what you're hearing? Become a Blaze Premium subscriber and watch the show anytime, anywhere, live or on demand. Go to theblaze.com slash subscribe and start watching today.